you I'm speak to me. Talk to you about your weight loss. Well, do we want to talk yeah. about my weight loss journey? I like I... to call it my weight loss journey. <laughs> can we? No, I don't want to talk about my weight loss journey. I can congratulate you on your new svelte figure. No, you cannot congratulate me on my new svelte figure. And welcome to the latest edition of the Startupdom podcast. I am joined by Jamie Zaborzan. Hi, Jamie. That's not how you pronounce my last name. Zapperzan? Yeah, that's it. Zap. Zap. Zippity zap. Well, there Hello, we go. Hello, Dr. Craig Sherburn. Yes, and we're not going to talk about my weight loss journey. Okay, a little bit. I found that this has been a struggle, and who gives it? <laughs> Nobody cares about whether it's a skinny Craig or a fat Craig that they're talking to. Okay, this, is, this is a fact, because no one's noticed that he's lost weight, except for me. Except for you. Yeah, to be fair, though, I walk around the office nude most of the time. So. <laughs> no, I've actually just noticed that you don't take me out for nice lunches anymore. <laughs> Well, I offer you half of my can of tuna. <laughs> Without dressing. See, that's the key, is that I'm allowed to lick a can of tuna once a day, so. If, if you're wondering how Craig has lost 30 pounds in three weeks, right? 32.6. 32.6 pounds in three weeks, but who's but counting? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I do, just quickly. If you're wondering how he's done this without going near a gym, I tell you this, <laughs> yesterday, he says, oh, I think I'll eat today. <laughs> I'm not making that up. And I said, good for you, Craig. <laughs> good for you. And then I crawled from my desk over to the food, sim the food depository, otherwise known as the fridge, asked you to lift my hand because I was so weak. Luckily, she was there for it. And of course, you're trying not to make eye contact because I was fully nude at the time. Uh, but that's okay. I told him that we wouldn't have any awkward conversations until he looked like Mr. Burns and I was like his Smithers. <laughs> but <laughs> we're getting near that point. Uh, you're, you're my Smithers? Yeah, you're I don't want to be, but you're starting to look like Mr. <laughs> Burns. Your bone density is going to. I am featherweight, yes. Um, the funny oh. thing is, is I could lose 30 pounds and nobody would notice. So that kind of says everything that you need to know about my body type. <laughs> I noticed. Yes, uh, I am. I am one step away. I am one short step away from being bedridden and begging you to bring me buckets of chicken. <laughs> okay, we'll keep uh, Craig's weight loss journey on the program, but maybe we should change the subject now. Okay, fair enough. What do you want to talk about today? Well, what do you want to talk about? I thought you're the host. I'm not going to do your job for you. Oh, you're, you're the ones that do, you, you create a script and you're not going to let me read the script. Okay, well, we're here on Startup <laughs> Them to talk about Jamie uh, Zapperzan's uh, path, her journey through a uh, startup company. And so we are on week, I'm going to say six now. We've missed a couple of weeks, but mm -hmm. we're on week six of the existence of your role at Ampliset, yes. the latest exciting biotechnology company in Alberta. What are some of the highlights since our last podcast? Well, the biggest one I can tell you about, Craig, is we're finally getting something that we've been waiting for from a diagnostic company. I can't, I don't think I can say who, can I? No, I can't. Yeah, I can't. You, you probably shouldn't say, but what's I'll just say this. It is one of the biggest diagnostic companies in North America, and if not across the world. I would say you might even be short by one. There are two massive diagnostic companies that are shipping to you their devices yeah. to make sure that your technology works with their technology, right? We're get yes, two of them. Yep. One of them arrives on Monday. And the other one is still coming, okay. Yeah, the other one 
And so what this will do is validate the Ampliset technology, uh, which is essentially kind of a front end that is, uh, I would say, agnostic because I'm a douchebag. Uh, I would say that the Ampliset technology is agnostic with respect to whatever it is on the other side detecting uh, the existence of a pathogen in whatever you're looking for. Exactly. And that's what's, I don't want to say beautiful, when I say beautiful, agnostic agnostic technology just sounds really douchey but that's what's beautiful about it is that it is um, if you want to talk about the competitors on the market there's no direct competitor and whatever may be considered to be a competing technology or product it can be worked with it can work together with Appleset to further improve its capabilities. Yeah. That's what's great about it. And we've touched on this in the past, and we don't want to do it every podcast, but mm -hmm. uh, Ampliset has a number of different things, uh, technologies in its uh, possession and what it owns. But the thing that Jamie is focusing on first has to do with enrichment. And uh, so you've got a sample, and you, you want to know if there's a bad bacteria in it. Well, if your sample is three liters in size, and you want to know if there's one bad bacteria in that three liters, it just becomes plain statistics of whether you're going to take a sample out of that three liters and that's going to contain the one bad bacteria. So one of the things that Ampliset does, which is, I'm going to say beautiful, um, is that it has an enrichment technology that can take that three liters and that one bad bacteria and very quickly turn that into a million bad bacteria so that those million bad bacteria can then be detected. And although Ampliset has its own proprietary detection technologies, um, that's fine. Uh, that's a better mousetrap. Uh, but the world doesn't beat a path to a better mousetrap. The world already has its mousetraps. So what Jamie has correctly done is making sure that our enrichment will work with other current industry standard uh, detections. Exactly. And uh, it's a great move. It's a wonderful move. It's going to be a huge success. We have no expectation that it won't work. Um, this is a little bit like saying uh, there is a ladder. I could climb that ladder and uh, reach uh, something 10 feet high. I mean, it's quite, it's just physics. I would step on each step of the ladder and reach it. That said, it's also important to actually climb the ladder, have a picture of you standing on the ladder, and have a picture of you reaching something 10 feet high, and uh, just to be able to lock that down. That's a very good analogy. And as boring as I possibly could make it. Boy, I we zoned made... out. I zoned out. I hope that made sense to you guys. It made sense to me, Craig. This is <laughs> this is my creepy, creepy guy. If I drone on long enough, Jamie falls asleep <laughs> and I take photos of her. Now, what Wonderful. photos do I take of her? You might think they're one way. Actually, what I do is I put on hats on her that says I'm a stupid, a bikini inspector, and tacky sunglasses. That's what I do. Dozing away with a corn cob pipe in her a pipe. Corn cob pipe. I told you you're not eating enough. Pipe. I'm that is about corn on the cob. I need to lick a can of tuna right now. You do. Okay. <laughs> so that was me re re rephrasing what you'd said. More articulately, I'll give you that. I've got more practice at it. I'm older than you. And you're a robot. I am. Mm. Robot Craig. Also, in two weeks... Ampliset is receiving an award from Tech Edmonton. Really? What kind of an award would this be? That Ampliset is a successful spin-off from the University of Alberta, and they want to be recognized for their efforts in the community. It wasn't Sexiest Patent Council Award? I'm expecting to get that, too. Oh, you're going to get that, too. <laughs> yes. Well, fair enough. We'll fight over it. <laughs> for, wait, I guess I can't be the sexiest patent, but yeah, so can you I can, be something else? You can be the sexiest CEO if you want. 
I was just wanting you to say it on well, me. Yeah, you're welcome. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you Thank can clip you. that and save it for later. Uh, <laughs> so we're getting an award, are we? Yes, we are. Very nice. Very nice. What are you going to wear? Have you already planned out your uh, your apparel? No, I haven't. As a matter of fact, I wasn't expecting to accept the award on behalf of Amplisette. Well, this, this comes full circle, you see. When I was speaking to Linda about the awards originally, Linda, um, we had mentioned her before, she is essentially the inventor of Amplisette's technologies along with a few other researchers. We would call her a founder of the company. I'd as call well. her a founder, yes. Um, I anticipated that she'd be accepting the award to which she then told me I'd be accepting the award as CEO. And then when I met with her yesterday, she's thinking about accepting the award again so that she could say something rude to her husband when she's on stage. As a married man for coming close to 20 years now, I totally understand that. <laughs> I totally get that. Well, apparently, yeah. After apparently she did it years, once before, and they're, they're looking forward to seeing oh, her do it again. Excellent. After 20 years, I would kind of want to. After 40 or 50 years, I'd absolutely demand to say something rude about my wife. And she vice versa, I think. That's for certain. So... Uh, Either way, um, no, I haven't picked out what I'm going to wear yet. I was thinking about borrowing I, the I Love Old Muffins t-shirt that you gave to me. Is that acceptable if I, I wear can, it with a nice blazer? So I could see my total uptick on my old comedy website when I was a stand-up comedian. I'll see this huge peak of visitors going to see me tell dick jokes on the web. I think that you're asking for it now. Can I you, am. Can you leave a link? There is no link. There is there are very there is very little evidence that I ever was a stand-up comedian. If anybody searches my name, uh, you will find a couple of uh, news articles uh, from the Edmonton Journal and across Canada talking about a lawyer turned stand-up comedian, um, and maybe you will find me being interviewed by some people uh, when I was uh, performing uh, out of city. Uh, there's some interview videos, but I've removed everything else. Interesting story or you may not find it interesting, but I'll call it an interesting story. About two years ago, I was sitting in Craig's office across from him, being interviewed. <laughs> being interviewed, oh, for the job. For the job. Yes. What did you think I was going to say? <laughs> you, had to, you had to clarify, I'm sitting in his office, not in his lap, across from him. Oh. Not, not on the ceiling, but across from him. Well, okay. this was when I was still trying to be respectful and presentful. Yes. Presented well in front of Craig. And I miss those days. I know, you must, you must, because I was listening to every word he was saying. He kept me there for over an hour, I think an hour and a half. Um, so I learned that he was a lawyer, which I didn't know going in, and about all of his different businesses. And then eventually it somehow worked its way into the conversation that he was also a comedian and I wasn't sure if he was joking or not if you haven't seen Craig he looks like a scholar <laughs> why are you giving a death glare you don't you don't look at Craig and think comedian especially after you listen to him talk for an hour you think he is incredibly intelligent which he is that he's well educated you don't uh, not that comedians can't be now watch me backtrack here I just didn't think comedian so he's telling me deadpan that he's also a comedian and I'm not sure whether to laugh politely like good joke or be like oh tell me more so i just let it let him talk and he said it's so nice to have someone listen to me for once yes it was. it was after jamie i realized i should just throw off the lawyer the patent attorney the businessman entrepreneur and comedian and instead i just eyeball people and go you know i'm kind of a big deal i hate to tell you this <laughs> Uh, Look at the letters at the end of my business card. <laughs> I have so many letters that for my name, it cramps my hand. That's how you know when you've gotten too much schooling, is that your hand cramps from just writing the letters. Well, your parents were concerned about you, weren't they? Because you had been in school for so long? 
uh, my parents, uh, my in-laws, my wife, my friends, strangers who met me on the street going 13 years in university, eh? They made a movie about you, didn't they? Uh, I was the exact opposite of Van Wilder. <laughs> Van Wilder was enjoying himself in university. It would be a very boring 13-year uh, montage of Craig sitting in a... Uh, trench coat. Sitting in a trench coat, <laughs> sitting in a library, pining pining for the touch of a lady <laughs> oh if only a lady would touch me i can't believe they're not beating a path to my door as i sit here in my trench coat with my hair down to my knees <laughs> where did the accent come from I, I was irish for a period of time <laughs> are you okay yeah oh my goodness i like giddy jamie oh yeah no but that wasn't that wasn't um something that craig just made up he actually went through a trench coat stage <laughs> Well, this was before trench coats became bad. Before they became creepy. Yeah, yeah trench coats actually had... Well, I'm responsible for making them a little bit creepy. So, probably... not to break. Not to break. Oh, okay, should we move on to one of our questions? <laughs> yes. Oh, we've got questions for we've the got audience. Questions. Excellent. Okay. First one from Kelly from Vancouver. Really? Yeah. Very nice. Welcome. Kelly wants to know, how important is a university degree for an entry-level administrative position? Really? Yes. Okay. Uh, so actually, it might hurt your chances. There is a, a mentality for hiring that you do not want to hire better than the position requires because the person will leave you. Uh, that This was a, a common issue that happened, for example, in policing in the United States. There was a big deal made about this on 60 Minutes where there were police departments that if you scored too high on their aptitude test or on their uh, intelligence test, they would not hire you. Really? Really. And it was a big hoo-ha. And a gentleman tried to defend an imminently defensible position, which was to say, if you are too... Um, and I'm not going to say intelligent because that's a bad, uh, intelligence is a, is a wide spectrum. It can be but measured if, in every way, including handmade soaps. If you are slumming it, and, and I don't mean this in the police force, I mean this in any job, but if I'm hiring for a warehouse supervisor, I have got a pressure against me to hire somebody that could run the company. Not because I'm afraid he will do better at his job than I want him to, but because I will not be able to keep him employed. He will leave, go off to a higher salary, a salary I might not be able to pay because I only have enough money for a warehouse supervisor. I don't have money for a chief financial officer. So the moment he gets CFO money is the moment that he leaves me in the lurch. And there is a real cost in a business for replacing people. Of course. That cost can be significant. That cost is a significant reason why Jamie still works with me. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a real cost to that, right? And so if I, uh, th th you, you want to hire for the role, for somebody that fits in that role, not necessarily for somebody that's better than that role. And you definitely don't want to hire for under that role because they may not perform. Uh, although I know a lot of people who will hire under a role and then hope that the person grows into it before mm -hmm. they will ever hire over a role and hope that the person grows out or you know, grows out of whatever their, their, their past role was. So going back, a university degree for an entry-level administrative uh, job. Um, it is, it depends on what the entry level is, but the university degree might hurt you from that mentality of a hire. Okay, so for example, Craig, I'm, I'm trying to use your real world experience to tie into these questions. So 
you're getting tons of new clients right now. You're having a real surge in new client work. Right, and which is may... a funny story, isn't it? Is it I a think there's story? a funny story. Well, there's been a, a surge of work that has come in, and I was feeling pretty good about myself the other day. It was about a week ago, two weeks ago, and I'm pouring a cup of coffee, and I'm thinking, geez, finally the world's recognizing Craig. You know, because I've been this good for a long time, but I've really kept a low profile as well. Uh, I don't advertise my services. I don't market myself because I was very happy with my client base. But I've had a lot of referrals that have been coming through the door recently. You've seen. Oh, yeah. And I, I'm thinking, oh, it's all because of me. It's all because of me. Because I kind of fit into a niche of technology entrepreneurial lawyer. If you have a technological company or non-tech company, but if you're doing a startup company, I'm kind of the full package. I can do your intellectual property, your employment, your, everything. Everything that startup companies need. Um, and as I'm pouring the cup of coffee and congratulating myself for the world finally seeing Craig for what it was, it suddenly occurred to me, oh, criminy. It's not because I'm so great. It's because the other lawyer that was doing this work died three months ago. <laughs> oh, that did happen. Yes. And I'm not laughing at his death. I'm laughing at the arrogance that I had that it was me. No, nope, no. Nope. His passing left a real void in, I'm going to say all of Alberta, not just Edmonton, because he was a very well-respected and very, uh, very, very busy lawyer at a major law firm. Uh, but it was his passing that, that really has resulted in all the referrals to me because all the referrals that used to go to him, they can't refer to him anymore because he has passed. <laughs> so they're referring him to me. So my entire marketing strategy of living has been 100% success. That's my goal is to outlive the guys that are better than me. It's free. It's free, that too, yeah. Either so, way, congratulations well, on thank that, you. Craig. Thank you for congratulations on outliving him. Good for you, Craig. Wait, a good choice. The smart choices. That's why I've now lost 32 pounds because I've realized I've got to continue living apparently to earn money. So there you go. Kelly, we're going oh, to address your question. And the way I wanted to actually bring this in is that we're talking about expanding Craig's law practice and by maybe getting him some help. If you were to hire an entry level position to help you out yes. around the office, yes. would you? hire someone without a university degree yes you would I would I would because I, I'm gonna suck and blow a little bit so okay. I first sucked by saying oh if you got a university degree they may not hire you now I'm gonna blow uh, they're making a critical mistake by not hiring somebody who is better than the position they're in uh, every business has opportunities to um, increase your role. I think you would see yours is the same. I recognized your skills, your abilities, and your role increased as time went on of to course. the point where you were eventually running Movalo, mm -hmm. um, which is perfect, excellent. That's the way That's the way it should go. Um, that is a intelligent hirer's mentality, in which case coming with a degree uh, doesn't mean that you are smarter than somebody without a degree, but it does give you an easy box to check on that they had cap capability and capacity to get through that higher level of education. They needed to jump through certain hoops to complete the degree, um, it's, uh, which, which tells you something about who and what they are. Uh, very few degrees are easy and uh, you just send in your money and get it. it, it you, you are required to attend class, you're required to turn things in on time, you learn how to study and to pay attention. So these, these things that I can tell by just you having a certain degree, university or otherwise, right? Mm -hmm. You can come in with a degree in uh, 
uh, engineering technology from Nate, and I know the same thing uh, as, uh, with respect to your abilities as an administrative professional or uh, admin assistant. In the end, never turn down education. At its best, it tells the world that you were able to complete something. At its worst, it tells the world that, uh, or it gives the world one less reason to say no. Um, there might be some people who say, no, you're overqualified for the position. They're foolish. And frankly, in today's job market, that kind of is diminishing. We're seeing more and more people with PhDs coming and applying for low-level entry positions because the PhD won't get them a job. So that kind of mentality, which was really prevalent in the 80s and 90s, is disappearing here in 2018 where we're getting wave after wave of overqualified people who are just happy to work. And we've seen that within our offices. 100%. We've had, yeah, PhDs, MBAs come in looking for anything, looking for any kind of employment. Yes, and uh, I, make, I make such great employment decisions too, don't I? No, you don't. I do not. I am a bad judge of character. Okay, anyhow, moving on. <laughs> not so, including me. I think that I need to point that out. Not including me. The answer I would have, get a degree. Get the degree. It opens doors. It shows the world that you can complete something. And I don't care if it's a university degree. It could be anything. Go out and get the letters. It stops people from saying no right off the bat. Um, even though I, I'd said initially that people would say no for that reason. Those are a, a smaller and smaller proportion nowadays, and regardless of whether they say no or not, get the degree. There you go. I'm going to say I agree with you. Most of my friends, we all went to university together. Um, we've stayed in contact. They all have great jobs. They're all professionals. I've had this conversation with all of them, and I asked, the training and the education that you got at university, did you need that to do the role that you're in today? And overall, the answer was no. On-the-job training was 90% attributable to the role I'm doing today. But they would have never gotten that position. They would have never received it without their degree. It showed them how to be persistent, um, how to do time management, how to work well with others, how to work under stress and pressure. It has taught them a lot, and that shows the employer that, that you're willing to work through difficulties to meet deadlines. I think we're in agreement with that. Exactly. Well, that was a good answer. Long-winded, but good answer all the same for both of us. No, I wasn't attacking you. I'm just apologizing for me droning on. Get the degree. Okay, there we go. Get What's the degree. Question? What's the next question we have from the ether? Well, first I want to take a break for a new segment. A new segment. A new segment I'm going to surprise you with. So in an earlier podcast, I had mentioned that I want to hear more about some of the wacky patents or invention ideas that have come across Craig's desk as a patent attorney. So we are going to call this Patent Impossible. Ooh. You may change the name of your clients, which I'm sure you will. <laughs> to protect the innocent, namely me. <laughs> Patent. People laugh, so cackle, cackle. You want some funny stories from the patent front. Okay. There's got to be some real wacky ones where you were just mind boggled. Uh, there are, and here's one that uh, is kind of an insipid little mind boggle. So many, many, many years ago, when I was first starting out as a patent attorney, uh, I got a phone call from somebody who wanted to patent a bucket. And I said, I don't think you can patent a bucket. Now, for those of you who don't know what a patent is, a patent is this kind of exchange that you make with a government 
Um, and almost every government in the world has this kind of system set up. And the exchange is that you will fully disclose your invention so that the rest of the world can see what it is that you've made. And so long as your invention is novel, namely it's never been seen before, and unobvious, which is kind of a subjective assessment, that it's not just a matter of a slight or small change to things that people knew, um, and that your invention does something useful. If you have those three things, it's novel, it's not obvious, and it does something useful, a government in exchange for the full disclosure of your invention will give you a monopoly on that invention for a period of time, let's say 20 years, okay? So for 20 years of exclusivity, that nobody else can practice your invention, you promise to tell the world what your invention is. So this fellow phones with the bucket, and I go, well, I'm pretty darn sure a bucket's not novel. And even if it's some sort of novel use of a bucket, as long as it's containing a fluid and moving it from point A to point B, I'm pretty darn sure it's going to be obvious. And so I don't think it's patentable, of which this gentleman says, I assure you, I have paid a law firm, which was another law firm, my competitor, $5,000. And they have provided me a patent review that says that this bucket is patentable. Of which I said, well, let me take a look at that thing. So he shows up and he drops it off. And I take a look. And the first thing you do when you have these crazy people is to say, look, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm going to need a retainer. This is the way I used to practice law. Uh, I'm going to need a retainer. Put your money where your mouth is. Before I start doing work on your behalf, I want you to show that you're going to be capable of paying me for this work um, and leave the material. So he leaves this opinion, in quotation fingers, from the other law firm, along with a check for $5,000, of which I go, well, look at that. That's interesting. Uh, let's take a look at the opinion. Well, the opinion didn't say your invention is patentable. The opinion said, we have searched the United States Patent Office and could find no patent filed in the United States Patent oh, Office no. that describes a bucket, <laughs> which would be 100% correct yes. since buckets predated the invention of patents in the 1600s in the UK and the 1800s for the United States. So it wasn't that they said it's patentable. They said, we looked in the patent office and could find no patent describing a bucket. So therefore, we encourage you to pay us more money to draft your patent application. I like your competitor. Yeah. So needless to say i take a look at this thing and i i go i try to phone the guy i phone the guy immediately after i take a look at it, it took me about two days to, to 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 read it um he's gone on vacation for three weeks and uh, his phone message says uh or he gets an email i get an email saying uh, i'm i'm on vacation for three weeks i look forward to seeing my patent application when I get oh back. dear so he gets back for three weeks later and so i said come on let's go for lunch i'm buying so i buy him a nice steak dinner and I hand him back his $5,000 check. And I explain to him that uh, just because it wasn't found in the patent office doesn't mean that it's patentable. And I can assure you that you cannot patent a bucket. No matter what you're using it for, it's not going to be patentable. Now, by the way, that's an, an overreaching statement. There are probably patent attorneys or people who are like, I can patent a bucket. In this case, I can assure you, he could not patent the bucket. Because what was special about this bucket? Was Nothing. there anything or he just thought that he was the first genius to think, hey, everyone uses a bucket and it hasn't been patented. So he thought he could patent the use of the bucket because he was lifting water from one place to another. And he felt that nobody had ever thought of taking water from one place and then lifting it 
uh, three feet away and putting it in another. I don't want to go through further details, but that was essentially what he was doing. And then he goes, but I've never seen anybody lift the bucket from point A to point B and pour it from source A into receptacle B, of which I'm like, that's even if it was patentable. Let's say I was able to get a patent on the method. What is claimed is a method of taking water from one place and putting it into another. Um, there is no way you would ever be able to find anybody infringing this patent because it was in a bathroom and it was behind a closed door. And so I'm not aware of any private eyes that would be watching everybody's bathroom throughout all of the continental United States trying to determine if somebody had used a bucket, which they've purchased from any place, in a way that was patented. <laughs> the only real business fail I see here was that you returned his $5,000. Yeah, well, that would, that would be. That I, I slept at night. I, that's that's uh, my funny patent story is the man who tried to patent a bucket. That's a good one. I look forward to more embarrassing tales let's leave it to the uh, Let's leave it to the audience to see whether that was a good one or not. You're, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. Let's hear comments. Do we want more patent stories and do you want them sexier than Craig's bucket bathroom story? I'd like them juicier. Juicier than a bucket full of water and bathroom water? Juicier, like, well, that's embarrassing. Like, that was kind of embarrassing, but that's more like redneck embarrassing. There's got to be something better. Yeah, no, maybe maybe I have to wait till the statute of limitations is passed, though. Okay. (laughs) I'm sure we'll come up with more. Now that I know that this is going to be a recurring segment, I will think ahead of time. How about that? Thank you. I appreciate that. You're welcome. That. That's my that's my commitment to everybody else is I'll make it sexier and juicier patent stories. Please do. You're welcome. Please do. You're welcome. Okay. I think that's good. We talked only briefly. We talked a little bit about Ampliset, uh, but I want to come back just before we close off. Okay. What do you What are your challenges? What have been your challenges these last few weeks? The last few weeks' challenges. Hmm. Craig, I don't have any challenges. You don't. No. Okay. I didn't think about them ahead of time. You didn't think, you know what? I've seen you overcome them. Uh, whatever challenges there are, I've seen you overcome. You had a very large grant application that had to go in, success. Okay, that was, full disclosure, that was a huge struggle for me because I got very discouraged filling out the grant application. These grant applications can be very, very long. Asking the same question, it appears four different ways, which makes you wonder if you answered three of them wrong. And making so many inferences where you're trying to be as accurate as possible. You don't want to be misleading or to make up data. But they kind of get you into a corner that you have to. Uh, Well, I don't want you admitting on the podcast not that make you up, made things not up. Not make up, but it's hard to make inferences to answer some questions. Some questions are not amenable to a three-word yes or answer. Um, some questions are just not amenable to thousand-word answers. That uh, th- That is a, a struggle that you have when you're trying to capture within 150 characters an answer to what is it that your company does? makes money thank you moving on right that's uh that is a struggle can can you um please explain more about how you're going to enrich the dna we want it longer than the three paragraphs you provided but less than four well i would actually think that the question of how are you going to enrich your dna would be an easier one to answer than what they do ask which is explain your technology in 150 characters (laughs) so well and the frustration is like that I'm sitting there and getting frustrated and I'm thinking, are they gonna even understand if I put this in here? 
What are they looking for? I suspect that grant applications are a lot like business plans. A business, uh, when you're going to invest in a company, you ask for a business plan. Not because you believe the business plan is the secret to a success of a company, but you want to see that people have turned their minds to certain questions and that they have, uh, if not an answer, then have at least addressed the question. How are you going to make money? When are you going to make money? How much money do you need to be able to make this money? What are some of the challenges? These are all questions that are very complex, very difficult. Um, very difficult to project how much money I'm going to make three years from now because there's many things that could happen. We could have a, that orange dynamo in the U.S. Uh, turn, turn completely maniac on us or turn out to be the sophisticated and wise businessman that a significant portion of people think he is. All of those can change the world <laughs> three years from now, but we're not asking you to hold you accountable to it. I think grant applications are just making sure that the person filling it in has thought about that and has turned their mind to it. Whether they have an answer or not, I think is secondary. That's my theory. Could be that the, uh, the, the governments of uh, Alberta and Canada honestly believe that you should be able to describe uh, the basis of uh, poly polymerase chain reaction in three paragraphs. I certainly tried. Uh, yeah, well, yours included putting a square, open square bracket, shit happens, close square bracket. <laughs> Um, and, and that was a very challenging. I and feel very confident that. That's going to work? That's going to work. Good for you. Let's Shit find happens, out. Right? Shit happens, right? Shit happens. This is where the magic occurs. <laughs> the answer. And if we don't find you, how are you going to make it through? Our angel investors. Angel investors. I think I just copied and pasted that for every answer. Oh. Angel investors. Oh. Angel investors. I thought I told you collecting bottles, but uh, fair <laughs> enough. Whichever works. Whichever works. I also enclosed your credit card number too. That would. This is a, a source of revenue. A source of revenue. Craig's credit card. Yeah. I might have to check those statements a little closer next time. Oh no, I'm on top of it. Very good. That puts me at ease. All right. What I want from our listeners for next week? Any questions? Any questions for us, actually? I'll filter out the, the naughty ones. Ooh, Ooh. I'll answer those in the Startupdom After Dark podcast. Ooh, that sounds sensual. How do you please a lady? Well, as a man married for 20 years, my advice is to leave them alone and not make eye contact. There you go. That seems to please her the most. Wise words. There you go. You're welcome. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.